Chapter Twenty Two of A Legend of Montrose. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A Legend of Montrose by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Twenty Two. I am as free as nature first made man ere the base laws of servitude began when wild in woods the noble savage ran conquest of granada the earl of menteith as he had undertaken so he proceeded to investigate more closely the story told by ronald of the mist which was corroborated by the examination of his two followers who had assisted in the capacity of guides these declarations he carefully compared with the circumstances concerning the destruction of his castle and family as sir duncan campbell was able to supply and it may be supposed he had forgotten nothing relating to an event of such terrific importance it was of the last consequence to prove that this was no invention of the outlaws for the purpose of passing an impostor as the child and heiress of ardenvor perhaps menteith so much interested in believing the tale was not altogether the fittest person to be entrusted with the investigation of its truth but the examinations of the children of the mist were simple accurate and in all respects consistent with each other a personal mark was referred to which was known to have been borne by the infant child of sir duncan and which appeared upon the left shoulder of annot lyle it was also well remembered that when the miserable relics of the other children had been collected those of the infant had nowhere been found other circumstances of evidence which it is unnecessary to quote brought the fullest conviction not only to menteith but to the unprejudiced mind of montrose that in annot lyle an humble dependent distinguished only by beauty and talent they were in future to respect the heiress of ardenvor while menteith hastened to communicate the result of these enquiries to the persons most interested the outlaw demanded to speak with his grandchild whom he usually called his son he would be found he said in the outer apartment in which he himself had been originally deposited accordingly the young savage after a close search was found lurking in a corner coiled up among some rotten straw and brought to his grandsire kenneth said the old outlaw hear the last words of the sire of thy father a saxon soldier and allen of the red hand left this camp within these few hours to travel to the country to caberfay pursue them as the bloodhound pursues the hurt deer swim the lake climb the mountain thread the forest tarry not till you join them and then the countenance of the lad darkened as his grandfather spoke and he laid his hand upon a knife which stuck in the thong of leather that confined his scanty plaid no said the old man it is not by thy hand he must fall they will ask the news from the camp say to them that annot lyle of the harp is discovered to be the daughter of duncan of ardenvor that the thane of menteith 
is to wed her before the priest and that you are sent to bid guests to the bridal tarry not their answer but vanish like the lightning when the black cloud swallows it and now depart beloved son of my best beloved i shall never more see thy face nor hear the light sound of thy footstep yet tarry an instant and hear my last charge remember the fate of our race and quit not the ancient manners of the children of the mist we are now a straggling handful driven from every vale by the sword of every clan who rule in the possessions where their forefathers hewed the wood and drew the water for ours but in the thicket of the wilderness and in the mists of the mountain kenneth son of eract keep thou unsoiled the freedom which i leave thee as a birthright barter it not neither for the rich garment nor for the stone roof nor for the covered board nor for the couch of down on the rock or in the valley in abundance or in famine in the leafy summer and in the days of the iron winter son of the mist be free as thy forefathers own no lord receive no law take no hire give no stipend build no hut enclose no pasture sow no grain let the deer of the mountain be thy flocks and herds if these fail thee prey upon the goods of our oppressors of the saxons and of such gale as are saxons in their souls valuing herd and flocks more than honour and freedom well for us that they do so it affords the broader scope for our revenge remember those who have done kindness to our race and pay their services with thy blood should the hour require it if a maclan shall come to thee with the head of the king's son in his hand shelter him though the avenging army of the father were behind him for in glencoe and ardnamurchan we have dwelt in peace in the years that have gone by the sons of diarmid the race of darnlinvarach the riders of menteith my curse on thy head child of the mist if thou spare one of those names when the time shall offer for cutting them off and it will come anon for their own swords shall devour each other and those who are scattered shall fly to the mist and perish by its children once more be gone shake the dust from thy feet against the habitations of men whether banded together for peace or for war farewell beloved and mayest thou die like thy forefathers ere infirmity disease or age shall break thy spirit be gone be gone live free requite kindness avenge the injuries of thy race the young savage stooped and kissed the brow of his dying parent but accustomed from infancy to suppress every exterior sign of emotion he parted without tear or adieu and was soon far beyond the limits of montrose's camp sir dugald dalgetty who was present during the latter part of this scene was very little edified by the conduct of mackay upon the occasion i cannot think my friend ronald said he that you are in the best possible road for a dying man storms onslaughts massacres the burning of suburbs are indeed a soldier's daily work and are justified by the necessity of the case 
seeing that they are done in the course of duty for burning of suburbs in particular it may be said that they are traitors and cutthroats to all fortified towns hence it is plain that a soldier is a profession peculiarly favoured by heaven seeing that we may hope for salvation although we daily commit actions of so great violence but then ronald in all services of europe it is the custom of the dying soldier not to vaunt him of such doings or to recommend them to his fellows but on the contrary to express contrition for the same and to repeat or have repeated to him some comfortable prayer which if you please i will intercede with his excellency's chaplain to prefer on your account it is otherwise no point of my duty to put you in mind of those things only it may be for the ease of your conscience to depart more like a christian and less like a turk than you seem to be in a fair way of doing the only answer of the dying man for as such ronald mackay might now be considered was a request to be raised to such a position that he might obtain a view from the window of the castle the deep frost mist which had long settled upon the top of the mountains was now rolling down each rugged glen and gully where the craggy ridges showed their black and irregular outline like desert islands rising above the ocean of vapour spirit of the mist said ronald mackay called by our race our father and our preserver receive into thy tabernacle of clouds when this pang is over him whom in life thou hast so often sheltered so saying he sunk back into the arms of those who upheld him spoke no further word but turned his face to the wall for a short space i believe said dalgetty my friend ronald will be found in his heart to be little better than a heathen and he renewed his proposal to procure him the assistance of dr wishart montrose's military chaplain a man said sir dugald very clever in his exercise and who will do execution on your sins in less time than i could smoke a pipe of tobacco saxon said the dying man speak to me no more of thy priest i die contented hadst thou ever an enemy against whom weapons were of no avail whom the ball missed and against whom the arrow shivered and whose bare skin was as impenetrable to sword and dirk as thy still garment heardst thou ever of such a foe very frequently when i served in germany replied sir dugald there was such a fellow at ingolstadt he was proof both against lead and steel the soldiers killed him with the butts of their muskets this impassable foe said ronald without regarding the major's interruption who has the blood dearest to me upon his hands to this man i have now bequeathed agony of mind jealousy despair and sudden death or a life more miserable than death itself such shall be the lot of allan of the red hand when he learns that annet weds menteith and i ask no more than the certainty that it is so to sweeten my own bloody end by his hand if that be the case said the major there's no more to be said but i shall take care as few people see you as possible 
for i cannot think your mode of departure can be at all creditable or exemplary to a christian army so saying he left the apartment and the son of the mist soon after breathed his last menteith in the meanwhile leaving the new-found relations to their mutual feelings of mingled emotion was eagerly discussing with montrose the consequences of this discovery i should now see said the marquis even had i not before observed it that your interest in this discovery my dear menteith has no small reference to your own happiness you love this new-found lady your affection is returned in point of birth no exceptions can be made in every other respect her advantages are equal to those which you yourself possess think however a moment sir duncan is a fanatic presbyterian at least in arms against the king he is only with us in the quality of a prisoner and we are i fear but at the commencement of a long civil war is this a time think you menteith for you to make proposals for his heiress or what chance is there he will now listen to it passion and ingenious as well as an eloquent advocate supplied the young nobleman with a thousand answers to these objections he reminded montrose that the knight of ardenvor was neither a bigot in politics nor religion he urged his own known and proved zeal for the royal cause and hinted that its influence might be extended and strengthened by his wedding the heiress of ardenvor he pleaded the dangerous state of sir duncan's wound the risk which must be run by suffering the young lady to be carried into the country of the campbells where in case of her father's death or continued indisposition she must necessarily be placed under the guardianship of argyle an event fatal to his menteith's hopes unless he could stoop to purchase his favour by abandoning the king's party montrose allowed the force of these arguments and owned although the matter was attended with difficulty yet it seemed consistent with the king's service that it should be concluded as speedily as possible i could wish said he that it were all settled in one way or another and that this fair brisses were removed from our camp before the return of our highland achilles allan macaulay i fear some fatal feud in that quarter menteith and i believe it would be best that sir duncan be dismissed on his parole and that you accompany him and his daughter as his escort the journey can be made chiefly by water so will not greatly incommode his wound and your own my friend will be an honourable excuse for the absence of some time from my camp never said menteith were i to forfeit the very hope that has so lately dawned upon me never will i leave your excellency's camp while the royal standard is displayed i should deserve that this trifling scratch should gangrene and consume my sword-arm were i capable of holding it as an excuse for absence at this crisis of the king's affairs on this then you are determined said montrose as fixed as ben nevis said the young nobleman you must then said montrose lose no time in seeking an explanation with the knight of ardenvor if this prove favourable 
i will talk myself with the elder macaulay and we will devise means to employ his brother at a distance from the army until he shall be reconciled to his present disappointment would to god some vision would descend upon his imagination fair enough to obliterate all traces of annot lyle that perhaps you think impossible menteith well each to his service you to that of cupid and i to that of mars they parted and in pursuance of the scheme arranged menteith early on the ensuing morning sought a private interview with the wounded knight of ardenvor and communicated to him his suit for the hand of his daughter of their mutual attachment sir duncan was aware but he was not prepared for so early a declaration on the part of menteith he said at first that he had already perhaps indulged too much in feelings of personal happiness at a time when his clan had sustained so great a loss and humiliation and that he was unwilling therefore farther to consider the advancement of his own house at a period so calamitous on the more urgent suit of the noble lover he requested a few hours to deliberate and consult with his daughter upon a question so highly important the result of this interview and deliberation was favourable to menteith sir duncan campbell became fully sensible that the happiness of his new-found daughter depended upon a union with her lover and unless such were now formed he saw that argyle would throw a thousand obstacles in the way of a match in every respect acceptable to himself menteith's private character was so excellent and such was the rank and consideration due to his fortune and family that they outbalanced in sir duncan's opinion the difference in their political opinions nor could he have resolved perhaps had his own opinion of the match been less favourable to decline an opportunity of indulging the new-found child of his hopes there was besides a feeling of pride which dictated his determination to produce the heiress of ardenvor to the world as one who had been educated a poor dependent and musician in the family of darnlinvarach had something in it that was humiliating to introduce her as the betrothed bride or wedded wife of the earl of menteith upon an attachment formed during her obscurity was a warrant to the world that she had at all times been worthy of the rank to which she was elevated it was under the influence of these considerations that sir duncan campbell announced to the lovers his consent that they should be married in the chapel of the castle by montrose's chaplain and as privately as possible but when montrose should break up from inverlochy for which orders were expected in the course of a very few days it was agreed that the young countess should depart with her father to his castle and remain there until the circumstances of the nation permitted menteith to retire with honour from his present military employment his resolution being once taken sir duncan campbell would not permit the maidenly scruples of his daughter to delay its execution and it was therefore resolved that the bridal should take place the next evening being the second after the battle End of chapter twenty two